Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And today I want to ask one simple question. One simple question that has a bit of a complex answer to it. Who should you trust regarding the Cubs' rebuild? Who should you trust regarding the Cubs' rebuild? Very simple question. Imagine you are trying to find a tutor for your child to do some extra work at school. Maybe it's English, maybe it's math, maybe it's science, maybe it's foreign language. What, what are some of the qualifications you would look for for someone to be a tutor for your child? I don't know. I don't have a child. I guess I'd probably be interested in someone who has already done some tutoring, possibly has had some success doing said tutoring. Maybe somebody who, uh, well, uh, brought this one person from fourth grade up to 10th grade level in three weeks. That'd be pretty impressive. Somebody that's agreeable. How about if you were trying to purchase a used car? Would you trust any used car place? Or would you have specifications? How do you decide who you trust? How do you decide whose opinion is valid? Who do you trust regarding what's going on with the Cubs? Now, for some people, for some people, their opinion on what's going on is the important thing. Their opinion on it is the important thing. For instance, Tom Ricketts is cheap. So if your starting point is Tom Ricketts is cheap, Anyone who says Tom Ricketts is cheap is probably at least two-thirds of the way along the way to being right. Am I correct? If your starting point is Tom Ricketts is cheap, if someone says Tom Ricketts is cheap, they're probably pretty close. It might not be totally in agreement, but if that's what your starting point is, then that's what you go with. Maybe you think Jed Hoyer is incompetent. Jed Hoyer is incompetent. The rebuild will not work because Jed Hoyer is incompetent. And as you're out scrolling through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, people who are saying Jed Hoyer is incompetent, those people, those people are reliable. One way to do it. 
I have kind of a two-prong way of looking at whose opinion is reliable. Whose, whose opinion on the Cubs rebuild? Whose opinion on what makes sense, what doesn't make sense? Two prongs, it's kind of like a goalpost. Kind of like a goalpost. Opposite sides of a pole. Both about the same size. Both have about equal weight. At least for me. It has nothing to do with Jed Hoyer being competent or not. It has nothing to do with Tom Ricketts being cheap or not. There are two things that, to me, make a lot of sense. I'm a big fan of precedent. Precedent. If something has happened before and you learned the lesson, then probably you are more reliable than someone who didn't see it happen before or didn't learn the lesson. If you saw something happen before, whether you were right or not at the time, if you learned a lesson from it, you're probably better off than if you didn't see the lesson the first time or you didn't learn from the lesson the first time. Your two goalposts. One is what the Cubs are going through right exactly now is very similar to what they went through in 2012, 2013, and 2014. Not exactly the same. There are differences. But to an extent, what the Cubs are going through right now is what they went through in 2012 through 2014. If you lived through the rebuild in 2012 through 2014, and you knew what was going on at the time, or even if you didn't know what was going on at the time, but you learned from it, you have an edge over a lot of people. 2012 through 2014, I was listening to the Cubs minor league games. Why? Because I like minor league games better than major league games. Not necessarily a popular thing to say. Doesn't get me invited to all the cool parties. I don't get to go to red carpet events. I don't necessarily get invited on to talk radio shows a whole lot or anything, but then that's not my style anyway. 2012 through 2014 provided a bit of a guidepost as far as what the Cubs are going to be going through. Not exactly, not directly, not completely. It's not a step-by-step-by-step-by-step thing. After all, the rules have changed. Some of the things that were possible back then are not so possible now. But 2012 through 2014 was kind of similar to what the Cubs are going through right now. Now, back in 2021, the Cubs really did not have much in their pipeline. They called up Starlin Castro too early. Jeff Samarja was good. Sean Marshall was good. Andrew Kashner was good. They, they, but there really weren't a whole lot of really good pieces on that 2012 team. 
And then the 2011 team, they let Aramis Ramirez go and they let uh, Pena, uh, um, first baseman Pena go to, to get draft picks. The, the things the Cubs are going through right now, to an extent, they've already gone through. If you have followed the Cubs long enough, and I'm not talking 70 years, not even talking 50 years. If you've followed the Cubs for the last 15 years, especially if you followed the Cubs a little bit more than just the major league club, you kind of know to an extent what's coming. And if you were paying attention, if you were paying attention, I don't know if you were. I don't know if you were following them back then. I don't know if you were paying attention back then. But if you were paying attention back then, you understand how it works. You have a season where, well, we didn't do very well last year. We might not do that well this year. But what we're going to do is we're going to go out and sign some players who know they have to have a good year to get the contract they want the next season. Cubs did that quite a bit. And a number of people who followed the Cubs were, why do they keep doing this? When are they finally going to be a good team? When are they going to stop getting players to trade them in July? I had a real easy answer for that. This was before it happened. This was before it happened. 2014, someone who is a very knowledgeable Cubs fan, when are the Cubs going to stop doing all these signings? Sign a, uh, sign a guy in the offseason, trade him in July. When are they going to stop doing those trades? It's real easy. When the guys that they have internally that they're developing are good enough so they don't have to make the trades anymore. Why did the Cubs stop doing those moves? Because Kyle Hendricks became Kyle Hendricks. Because they traded for Jake Arrieta. All of a sudden, they didn't have to go out and sign a crappy starting pitcher. There's history. There's precedent. If someone can tell you about what happened in 2012, 2013, 2014, and how that bled into 2015 and 2016, if someone can tell you what happened before and how that led into the heyday, they probably have some information you might be interested in. I don't know. Maybe so. So that's one goalpost. Do you know what happened before? But there's another goalpost. There's another goalpost on the other side. And frankly, that's, that's equally important, in my opinion. Who do you trust? The one goalpost is, do you know what happened before? Back in 2012, back in 2013, 2014. The other goalpost for who should you trust, did they get 2021 right? Did they get this year right? This specific year. Round about the All-Star game, it was obvious the Cubs were going to make some 
trades. Some major trades. Some big name trades. And as you asked your friends, people on the Cubs Facebook group that you attend, whatever. When people asked you, how many trades are the Cubs going to make? How many of the stars are the Cubs going to trade? You know what I heard a lot of people say? whole lot of people say. Whatever way they said it, this is what they would generally say. The Cubs are going to trade two of three of Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, and Chris Bryant. They're going to keep the other one. Because after all, they can't have a team with none of the stars who'd show up to watch the games. They'd lose a lot of games. They'd be terrible. They're not going to trade all the relievers. They're not going to make that many trades. You know, maybe they'll trade Bryant and Baez, but they'll keep Rizzo. Maybe they'll trade Rizzo and Bryant, but they're going to keep Baez. Which, whichever way. However, they're not going to trade Kimbrell. They have him for next year. Anyone who said anything even remotely close to that was wrong. They were wrong. The far goalpost did this person know what was going on in 2012 to 2014? The near goalpost, did they get 2021 right? I think they're going to get rid of all of them. They're going to trade all of them. They're going to get prospects for all of them. Move them all out the door. Trade Kimbrell. Trade Chafin. Trade Tapera. Trade anybody that they can get any sort of value for. Then start rolling with Rafael Ortega. Janeshwi Vargas and see how that works. Maybe it works well. Maybe it works horribly. I don't know. I imagine they're probably going to lose a whole lot of games. But I don't really think that was a concern. And that's where a lot of people lose credibility on the 2021 angle of things. People were saying I want the Cubs to keep a couple of players because I want the team to still be good. If that was your touchstone, it's kind of like saying the Ricketts is cheap thing. You're basing it on your fantasy, not reality. You're basing it on your fantasy, not reality. Is Tom Ricketts cheap? Yeah, probably. Is he more cheap than any of the other major league owners? I don't know. They all prioritize wealth retention over wins. That's baseball. That's how it goes these days. If you're trying to find someone who can tell you what's likely to happen in the near-term future. Find someone who knew what was going on in 2012, 2013, and 2014 that led to 2015 and 2016. And also find someone who said, they're going to trade everybody. They're going to trade everybody. 
because those are the people who knew what was going on as they were in what was happening they got it right the people who said oh no 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 they're they're going to keep chris bryant they're going to keep chris bryant and they're going to keep craig kimbrell and they're probably going to keep andrew chafin because they won't get anything for him they're wrong they were wrong They had no idea what the plan was. Now, do I know specifically what the plan is? Not entirely. Of course not. I'm not that smart. But to me, it made sense to trade everybody that would trade. Trade everybody that would trade and bring back quality, and that's pretty much exactly what they did. They upgraded the pipeline. The pipeline is now, what, eight per fan graphs? I think it's eight. Where, where's my where's my little sheet of paper that tells me the Cubs are eighth? There it is. San Francisco's seventh at 263 million future value. Cubs are eighth at 262 million future value. And Detroit, who's fifth at 277, is about I don't know 10, 11 days from dropping below the Cubs and the Giants. If you're trying to figure, if you're trying to find someone to tell you what's actually going on, what actually is making sense, what the Cubs very well might be doing, find someone who can do two things. Tell you what happened in 2012 to 2014 leading to 2015 and 2016. Find somebody who is even remotely close on what the Cubs did in July. Find somebody who, qual- who hits on both of those, they probably have some decent ideas on what's coming up next. And probably some of them are going to use some really bizarre terms like uh, fifth or sixth pick in the 2022 draft. That, that may be something that's completely beyond your comprehension. Or it may be something that's right up your alley. Either or. The Cubs, to me, by May of 2021, by May of 2021, the season was, if they can hang on through the All-Star break and look really competitive, they'll be fine. They'll give it a go. I was using the percentages of if the Cubs are 53% or better, In mid-July, they'll try to compete. If they're 52% or below, they will try to trade. And once they ran into a wall, once they started to stumble, once they started to collapse, once they fell below 50%, everybody was going. Everybody was going. My over-under for players traded was 7.5. People were telling me, you are absolutely insane. There's no way... They're trading over seven players. They traded nine. They traded nine. If you're trying to find someone to explain to you what's going to happen, find someone who knew what was going on when the first rebuild was going on, 
find someone who expected a rebuild like this this time. Yeah, it's going to be ugly watching Cubs games from now till the end of the season. Ugly. And if you decide, you know what, I've got better things to do. I want to go pet my dog. I want to go wash my car. I want to go mow the lawn. Fine. Cool. Nobody checks your fan card. Nobody checks your fan card. There were numerous years that I had other things going on. I paid very little attention to the Cubs. Very little. On the other hand, if you still like baseball, you still care about the Cubs, you're still interested, but you just don't want to watch Ian Happ batting third. You just don't want to watch that. I'm not going to criticize you for that either. I'm listening to the minor league games. The guys the Cubs got in those trades, Alexander Canario, Daniel Palencia, Kevin Alcantara, those are the guys I'm paying attention to. The guys they got in the trades, those are the guys I'm paying attention to. Greg Dykeman, he's starting with the Cubs now, at least against right-handers he's getting most of the time. Don't know that he'll start every day, every day, but He's going to be, he's probably going to be on the Cubs roster for a while. He might get bounced up and down a bit, but he's probably going to be on the Cubs roster for a while. And when will the Cubs be a good team again? The Cubs will be a good team again when they have enough players coming through the minor leagues and developing to the point where the Cubs possibly might have two or three or four internally grown all-stars. Back in the day, there were a lot of people who were very angry at the rebuild. Early May 2014, the Cubs were celebrating Wrigley Field, the 100th anniversary of the first game at Wrigley Field. Cubs had a large lead late against the Colorado Rockies and the bullpen puked it. And a whole lot of long-time Cubs fans were livid, absolutely enraged. When is this thing going to start to turn around? When are things going to start to look better? That was May. Early May. By July, a number of those fans had flipped. They'd flipped. You know why they had flipped? In July, the Cubs made a trade to acquire Addison Russell, who, while he's very unpopular now, was very popular back then. He was a ready-made prospect. He was about ready to go, and he would debut in Cubs colors in early 2015. Late in 2014, well, when the Cubs traded Jeff Samarja, the person that replaced him in the starting rotation was Kyle Hendricks. Trade away Samarja, bring up Kyle Hendricks. Guy who's just as good as the guy you traded away, 
and he's league minimum. Hmm, okay. Then a little bit later, September, Cubs call up Javier Baez. September, Cubs call up Jorge Soler. All of a sudden, people start saying, Oh! These players from the minor leagues that were so distant, they're not so distant anymore. And people started to attach themselves to Anthony Rizzo, to Javier Baez, to Jorge Soler, to Chris Bryant, to Wilson Contreras. They started to attach themselves. Why? Because the players were good. The Cubs will be a good team again when they have good, young, internally developed talent. Now, if that's 70 years from now, then that's how long it's going to take. If the Cubs start to look like a really good, really fun, really entertaining team, if they start to look entertaining in 2024, That's when they'll be fine. When's it going to happen? I don't know. I hate estimated time of arrival stuff. A couple days ago, somebody asked me, Jordan Wicks, first round draft pick last year. What's his estimated time of arrival? I don't know. What's his health going to be like? The, the way I ended up phrasing it was, Jordan Wicks belongs in major leagues when he's better than AAA. When's that going to be? I don't know. How can I possibly know that? Once the players the Cubs have internally, either in-house now or to be added soon, whoever, whatever, that's when they'll be good again. The Cubs will be good again when their internally developed talent is really good. And they start bringing up players that fans take a liking to right away, and those players end up being really good for a really long time, then the Cubs will be a good team again. And some of those players have been added, very possibly, last month. Who are you going to rely upon for your information on how the rebuild is going? That's the simple question. Is it going to be, are you going to look for people who agree with you on the owner being a bit of a, whatever term you want to use? Jed Hoyer, I don't like him because he traded you Darvish. Well, if if you're looking for people who don't like Jed Hoyer to guide you on how the rebuild is going to go, that's that's going to be an interesting one. I like running into people who tell me things about the rebuild that I didn't know. When I run into people who agree, or heck, maybe there's somebody out there who had an 8.5 over-under on the players that are going to get traded. People who know what was going to happen, people who knew what was going to happen before it happened, those are the ones that I want to pay attention to. The people who were not surprised 
by all the trades right before the deadline. <laughs> Traded Jake Marisnik and got back a live body? Cool. Those are the people I want to pay attention to. People who are going to tell me. Last night I had two games going on. Two games going on in the minor league pipeline. One of them, Daniel Palencia was pitching in low A. And in the other game, Caleb Killian was pitching in double A. Games going on concurrently at the same time. I was paying attention to Palencia. I think most people were paying attention to Palencia. There are a couple people paying attention to Killian. The people who can fill me in on the games that are going on in the pipeline that I'm not watching, those are the people I'm going to ask about how the rebuild is going. You know why? Because to be able to tell anybody competently about how the rebuild is going, even remotely competently, you pretty much better have some sort of a feel on what's going on with Alexander Canario. You probably better have some sort of a feel on how Owen Casey is doing. Most Cub fans are very Major League Baseball-centric, which is not a good thing. Cubs fans, many Cubs fans who lived through 2012, through 2014, and then 2015, through 2017, and 2018 to present, completely missed the entire thing of what was happening. What happened, what happened was not Anthony Rizzo is a first ballot Hall of Famer. What happened was not... Chris Bryant is a first ballot Hall of Famer. What happened was not Wilson Contreras was a first ballot Hall of Famer. What happened was not that Kyle Schwarber or Javier Baez will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. What happened was the Cubs had a whole bunch of players arriving at the major league level. Let me see. Soler in 2015. Bryant, no. Soler in 2014, late 2014. Jorge Soler in late 2014. Kyle Hendricks in July of 2014. Chris Bryant in 2015, April. Addison Russell in either April or May of 2015. All of a sudden, the team got really good. And other teams noticed. Other teams, wow, this team's getting really good. And then what also happened? Free agents. Huh. I'd kind of like to go over and be with that team because they haven't spent a whole lot of money on free agents recently. So they probably have a bit of money for me. And I don't have to be a superstar. All I have to do is like hit fifth or sixth or seventh and let the other guys do the heavy lifting. Once a team gets a number of really good, really young players all making about league minimum, people notice. People notice, teams notice, players notice. And uh, if you get to a situation where you are a whole lot better than other teams in your division, which didn't necessarily happen with the Cubs, didn't necessarily happen with the Cubs, though, though kind of might have a little bit in 2016. The other teams run away 
They run away. They run away. Kind of like the uh, AL Central teams are running away from contending with the White Sox. Nope, this is your year. Enjoy it. Have fun. We're going to trade our veterans for prospects. That's what the Cubs did this year. This isn't our year to compete. We'll trade our veterans for our prospects. And boy, the Cubs had a lot of veterans. And they traded all of them. They traded all the veterans that they possibly could that brought back any quality in return. If you're going to ask someone, how is this rebuild going to work? Is it going to be a long-term thing? Is it going to be a short-term thing? Two things to remember. Did they get it right in 2012 to 2014? Or at least by 2015 to 2016, 2017, realize that the reason the Cubs had done so well was because they had so many really good, really young players all coming up right about the same time that they were all going to be cost-controlled for a really long time. That's why the Cubs were so good. The other thing to mind, did people get it right this time? is you try to find someone to rely upon. Don't bank it on their ability to assess Jed Hoyer as an executive. I don't know if he's any good or not. Is he under his skis? I don't know. Made some nice trades, though, all things considered. Watching the rebuild will be tough, especially if you're not paying attention to the minor leagues. In the minor leagues, that is where the action will be for the next eh, 14 months at least, probably 20 months. It'll probably be into 2024 before the before all the answer, questions start, start getting answered. If you're going to be bothered by the Cubs getting outplayed by the Reds and the Brewers and the Giants and the Dodgers and the Cubs, the Cubs reset their timeline. The Cubs timeline is now 2023 and beyond. That's what it is. 2022, they'll get a whole bunch of those guys. They'll get some Jack Peterson contracts. Sign some guys with a one-year, two-year deal. Trade them in July if they do well. At the end of the year, they'll struggle again. And they'll keep doing that until the young players figure it out. The young players are kind of starting to figure it out already. But not at the major league level. If you're trying to figure out who you should rely upon for information on how things are going, find a couple people out there. There are outlets. I, I try to do my best. There are a number of other people who do very valuable services as well. Follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on our blogs, on whatever. But also at some point, start to think for yourself. And start to acknowledge the importance of player development at the minor league level. I strongly recommend, I'm going to start saying it more often, Pick a game a week in the minor league pipeline to listen to. 
one game a week. Nobody's going to invade your house and steal your Cubs fan card because you're listening to a Tennessee Smokies game. I want your Brandon Davis play a game. I heard Daniel Palencia was going to start, so I flipped on the Myrtle Beach game. That's not a crime. It's not illegal. It's educational. Not only then, not only then are you following the advice of people who generally saw what was coming, got it right, but you're also starting to learn on your own. So in five years, if it is Daniel Palencia, who's one of the late inning guys for the Cubs in 2025, 2026, whatever year. Maybe it's Daniel Palencia. Maybe it's somebody else. Let's use Daniel Palencia for... Yeah, I remember. There's that one game. I, I The Cubs had just signed this Daniel Palencia guy. In his first outing, I wasn't listening. Because I was doing something else on a Sunday. Whatever. And he saw 98, 99, 100, 99, 98, 99, 100, 98, 99, 100. Mostly fastballs. Um, I decided, you know what? I want to listen to this guy pitch a game. I want to listen to this guy pitch again. So I listened to his next outing. And I started to understand that player development at the minor league level is really important. It's really important. It doesn't happen automatically. It's not a straight line. But knowing about players like Daniel Palencia... Ethan Hearn, Pablo Allendo, Yo Hendrick Pinango, Piango, Ed Howard. Learning about these players in the pipeline makes me a more learned Cubs fan. If you start to get to the point where, yeah, 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 the major league club, they're always there. But you're not required to watch them. You're not required to listen to them. It's your call. You do whatever the heck works for you. You can go walk your dog. You can go mow the lawn. You can go wash your car. Or you can listen to a Myrtle Beach game. Maybe, maybe South Bend because you want to listen to when Andrew uh, Alexander Canario is on this incendiary streak he's on. Does he hit a home run Tuesday night against Fort Wayne? I don't know. When all four of the games start at about the same time, it gets kind of hard sometimes because all four games have stuff going on in them. It's not possible to pick one game and one game only and know that you are going to have all the information from that game and the other three are going to have nothing whatsoever. Because baseball doesn't work that way. Every night through the pipeline, something goes well, probably something goes not so well. And gathering the information, learning the information, having a source that provides you said information is very useful 
And if you get to the point where you decide you want to be that source for other people, you take that step up. You learn stuff that other people aren't interested in. And the next time somebody has questions about... So so when are the Cubs going to be good again? If you can talk about Alexander Canario, if you can talk about Daniel Palencia, if you can talk about Kevin Alcantara, if you can talk about Christian Hernandez, if you can talk about Pedro Ramirez, you can educate people. You can educate people. You can tell them things they didn't already know. So many Cubs fans are, I'm so sick of Ian Happy. He's having a bad year. I get it. You might get non-tendered. I get it. You're not breaking any news when you're saying something that everybody already knows. If you want to be a person that people rely upon for Cubs information, learn stuff that other people aren't talking about. Once you start to understand what's going to happen before it happens, once things that surprise everyone else don't surprise you, that doesn't mean that people are going to rely upon your opinion. But it probably means that they ought to. Thanks for stopping by. Have a great day. Be safe, be nice to others, and enjoy the Brewers series, even if that means you have the audacity to listen to other games when, the, when that game is going on. Have a great week.